Warning, this podcast may contain stuff and acting, but some people may find offensive. Actually, in a way, quite terrible, but in a way, quite similar to how I would have done it. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I liked it. It's really hard to jump off stuff like that, too. Now I understand sometimes why you have nothing to come at me with. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Hello and welcome back to Seesaw. We have a guest today, but before we jump into the guest, quick rounds. Cleves, how are you? Fine. Selena, how are you? Good. Wow, positivity. T, what do you got, baby? I'm all right. No one cares. Oh, sorry. I was I came in too late. So this week we are joined by Ellie Woolwork, who is a visually impaired actor, actress. I don't know what the correct terminology is now. It comes out of preference. You would have thought we would have researched that in advance. Uh both are acceptable, but it depends on the individual. Touche. Ellie has been in many things, such as Doctor Who, uh called The Midwife, and there's a lot of things coming up. So it's an amazing talk of someone who's doing some amazing things. Um being an advocate for vision impaired and blind people who want to get into the mainstream acting scene. So Roll the amazing dinger. I'm joking. It, it, we didn't put it in. Of course I didn't put it in. Ding. Hello, Ellie. Welcome to the Seesaw Podcast. Hi. Hi. Good to have you. So for our listeners that don't know you but should know you, you are a singer-songwriter. But actor is probably the thing you're most famed for, being in Doctor Who and Call the Midwife. And I also believe that you went to RNC, the Royal National College for the Blind, where myself, T and Cleves all went to a long, long time ago. (laughs) I read that you were born on New Year's Eve 1999 because you were so eager to see in the millennium and wanted to be born in the 20th century. Let's just start there. I believe you were born a little bit early. Yeah, my parents were a bit annoyed because I had a New Year's Eve party planned and then my mum went into labour. And so, you know, that didn't happen. But I was actually born for almost four months early. And I have retinopathy of prematurity. Clues in the name. It was because I was born early and my retina is detached. I'm quite lucky in that that's really the only thing that happened. So I know a lot of people, a lot of babies in hospital with me had loads of other things going on, but I only, uh, I was only blind. So I always feel quite lucky about that considering how early I was born. Can I um, just ask you what your condition entails you for with your eyesight? Are you what um, Selena would describe as proper blind? I would say so. I mean, okay, so up until about a year ago, I had light perception, I could see a bit of contrast, and that was about it. Uh, And I was on a farm, actually, with Look, the charity, and I woke up one of the days and, like, all of my vision had gone. It was really, really weird. So what actually happened was that I had a calcium deposit on my eye, and that can sometimes, if it obstructs your pupil, that can really restrict your vision. So now... I can sometimes see what I used to be able to see, but often I can just sort of see a, maybe maybe a tiny bit of light on a good day. So it's really variable. And I've never had that before. And it was really weird to get used to. <laughs> wow. You went to the Royal National College for the Blind. I did. How did you find RNC? I found it good. There were some ups and downs. 
I wasn't very well at the time. I was going through some mental health issues. So coupled with going away from home, meeting a bunch of new people, uh, sometimes it was a little bit difficult. (laughs) But to be honest, I'm glad I did it because it taught me how to cook because I didn't know how to cook at the time. And it definitely, definitely helped a lot with general independence. I became a lot more assertive. I was able to advocate for myself uh, better. And I don't think that would have happened. Or I don't think I'd have got here so quickly if I hadn't gone. No, absolutely. Is that where you started sort of like getting, of course, we'll, we'll go into your acting, but is that where the foundation was laid? Like, is that sort of thing you were covering within? Honestly, like, I'd already decided that I'd wanted to go into acting because I filmed Doctor Who when I was 17 and went to RNC when I was 18. But I did a performing arts course there and it definitely helped me realise that it was within the realms of possibility. And I'd never done proper training before in terms of the performing arts. So actually getting to do that was really, really cool. And I got to work with some really cool people. And also I got to work with um, children. We did a theatre and education thing. And it kind of made me realise, A, that kids aren't the scary monsters that I thought that they were before. And also that I was able to do it and I wasn't barred from it and it it was perfectly possible so if if we go on from that like as far as like you said you always wanted to be in in acting like was that from a young age like is it always something you've always wanted to be in sort of so when I was younger I went to a drama group um sort of I think I was in primary school and it was one of those things where I was like I'm going to be an actor and my parents were like okay that's cool and it was never really an attainable dream. I sort of was like, oh, I love acting. I love doing it. And when I was 11, I um, went to Portugal to film a feature film with a bunch of other visually impaired children. And that was really fun. I don't think it was until Doctor Who that I really thought it was okay for me to pursue that as a career. Yeah, of course, like, you've you got some some acting under your belt, of course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you've gotten the taste. Yeah, you, you've starting to chase the dragon as some people would yes. say uh, getting that that bite for it of course like the burning question is of course having a visual impairment did you ever feel any sort of hesitance around like getting into it as a career sort of as a way of like building your your life around because of course there's a lot of barriers day to day that comes with having a visual <laughs> impairment i mean was that something that went through your mind yes definitely i think especially when i was younger before I got a real understanding of what it could be like, I was always like worried that I would be left behind or that I wouldn't be able to do it. But I've got a really fantastic agent who is really, really good with disabilities. She gets um, disabled people roles in in sort of mainstream productions. She's really, really great. And I've been with her since I was about 12, I think. So she really helped, especially with the big productions like Doctor Who and Call the Midwife. She made sure that I was always very well looked after. But I think the thing with visual impairment and acting is that you have to be really, you have to be really strong willed. You have to advocate for yourself. And that's not very easy a lot of the time. I mean, I'm much more used to it now. But I remember when I was younger and first had to start doing it, it was quite overwhelming because I had to be like, no one else is necessarily going to do this for me when I'm quite literally on set and having to you know navigate all of these things so I'm gonna have to learn to do it myself and I had support of course I did but it's one of those things you have to learn very quickly that sometimes you have to be there for yourself because no one can be there for you in the moment and that was quite hard to to deal with but now I'm much more confident and I'm in a place where I feel like I I've grown a lot 
Um, and I'm able to advocate and able to say, actually, no, I don't want it done this way. Send me the script in a Word document. Um, because yeah. otherwise, it, oh, I, I hate PDF documents. They do my head in. But I've learned to stick up for myself. And I've learned that saying no is also okay. Like, I don't have to do something I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, you, you've made it your own. And, of course, it's always going to be intimidating. I mean, it's it's a competitive industry. But of course, like you've had some really great accolades to your career already, and you're still so young. So, so how was that sort of getting like the call up to do something like? I mean, Doctor Who is like a, a cult; it's, it's huge. Yeah. Like, how was that? So, when I got the audition, I didn't know it was Doctor Who. It just said major BBC drama. They don't tell you usually, and they they have sometimes with Doctor Who especially, they have code words to make sure that people don't cotton on that it's Doctor Who because there are very, very strict NDAs. I had one that I had to adhere to. And if you leak anything, you could be in like trouble and, you know, didn't want to do that. But when I got the actual call and realized it was Doctor Who because they sent me the script and were like, oh yeah, this is the script for the audition. By the way, it's Doctor Who. My dad is a massive Whovian. Like he, he grew up with it. And like I, I watched the show a little bit, but not very much. But I was still very aware of how massive it was. And so yeah. having to fill those shoes and realizing, okay, I'm the first ever near enough completely blind actor who's playing a main role in an episode. What do I do? How do I live up to this? And it was yeah. very nerve-wracking. And and call the midwife. I mean, I'd already done Doctor Who, so it wasn't as scary, but I was still like, I'm gonna be pregnant in this. I've never yeah. been pregnant before. How do I do? Like, and it, there's a lot of pressure, especially because I knew that I wasn't just representing myself. I was also representing the the visually impaired community, which is very nerve wracking in and of itself. It, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, definitely. Did your dad lose his shit when he found yeah. I was Doctor he, Who? Yeah, he lost his mind. He I remember Did he lose his he, shit when he realised you were pregnant. Um, he was like, what the fuck? He, he literally went in the nurse. So it was really funny. Um, the audition, we did it, uh, in a hotel room. It was my sister's graduation and it was the day before. And my mum and dad were helping me to do the audition. And I had to like pretend like I was giving birth. And we had to just be like, what if somebody in the next room thinks I'm actually like in pain and dying? And so it was, it was really, really funny. Um, but I remember when the Call the Midwife episode came out, my both of my parents called me um, sort of, I think my mum called me first and she was like, that was really weird to watch. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> because obviously she's seeing me as if I'm pregnant and it was quite a realistic pregnancy sort of. You get these silicon bump, like the silicon bump that you put underneath your, your clothes yeah. um, to simulate a massive pregnancy belly, obviously. And I, it was really, really odd. And And watching myself give birth was... A strange experience, to say the least. Well, that's such a contrast, isn't it? Like going <laughs> yeah. from something that your dad is fanatical about to, oh, that's my daughter giving birth on yeah. a massive show. Like, show. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was weird for both my parents, definitely, because obviously I'm still their little girl in their eyes. So, like, them seeing me giving birth was just such a weird thing for them to deal with. On the subject of that. I've done another film called Here Comes Frida. It's a short film and it's a sci-fi film. And in that I had to shoot a gun. Was it my, my dad always jokes that the mortality rate of the film is 66% because I'm the only character that doesn't die in it. Um, and there's three characters. I remember when I was, I was doing a fight scene and that's quite heavily choreographed. 
Uh, but when the film actually came out, people were like, what What do you mean you fight somebody? You're only tiny. How did you do that? Were you okay? Were you hurt? And it's like, no, I wasn't because a lot of planning went into it. But also, I don't know, it, it was just really nice to be able to do something that people didn't expect. I guess that's hmm. that rings true for all of the things I've done. Absolutely. My question is basically about being on set. So how was it? Do you have to stand on certain marks? How was it compared to people with full sight? Did they give you uh, tactile markers and things like that to stand on and things like that? Yeah, obviously markers normally are just flat, like bits of tape essentially that you stick on the floor. I had to have sort of tactile ones so that I knew where I was stepping onto. And it, it takes longer. It definitely takes a bit longer. And I guess the thing that frustrates me about the industry is sometimes casting directors will think, well, you know, how could a blind person possibly do this, do that? How could they do stunts? How could they even navigate around a set? But it's perfectly possible if you, for example, with the crew that I had uh, on all of the productions I've been on, they were all really kind and really patient with me and just able to understand that, yeah, okay, it might take me five minutes longer to block a scene, but that's fine because it means it's authentic. It means I'm safe and happy. I found it comforting to be around people who actually cared and wanted to help me rather than people being like, well, we've got to get this done right now. A lot of the time, people were very patient and they cared about what I had to say. So if a scene wasn't representative or if, for example, something was genuinely just too difficult, like I had to walk across a room diagonally, I had no mark, like markers, no landmarks, no nothing. I said, well, this is actually going to be really hard for me and it's going to take ages. So they were able to adapt the scene for me. And I, I really appreciated that because that shows the willingness of them to learn and, and to take on board what I was feeling and, and how I needed things to go. Was there additional pressure on you to actually get the scene done within a limited time because potentially it would take extra time to accommodate for your needs? Sometimes, but I think they did plan that in, um, which I appreciated. And I'm a very fast learner, so I was able to do things in quite a, a tight timeline. When I couldn't, I did feel pressured because I was worried I was holding everyone up. But people were very good with me and did say, like, look, if this is taking longer, that's fine. And I'm I'm lucky that the show, the shows I was on had enough budget that they were able to compensate for that. The sort of short films I've been in, often they work around me. So with Frida, uh, with Here Comes Frida, I had so many conversations with the director where he was like, okay, this is how this is going to work. It's okay if you can't do this for whatever reason. And I mean, Robin was fantastic. He was such, such a good director generally, but also for me too, he was really, really on board with, with helping me. And I appreciated that so much. How did you find getting around sets? Was it easy enough? Yeah, people tell you where things are. Yeah, so I usually ask for um, time beforehand to get guided around the set or to find my own way around the set. It's such a huge thing for me that I know where I am. So, for example, I'm going to be filming on the night, and I'm really excited because we've got a set built that's it's it's really cool. First of all, but also the director knows that I will need some time beforehand to actually go through and figure out what's what and and where I'm going to be. And that time is so essential. Like I'd say, you know, for any kind of director, they would need to get their cast to familiarize themselves with the set. If you haven't done that, I'd feel like a fish out of water. (laughs) Like It would be a lot more overwhelming. So yeah, familiarization with the set is definitely one of the huge steps that I like taking beforehand. 
What about the people you're acting with? Is it difficult to know who you're talking to? Is there a point where people have said you may be looking in the wrong direction or something like that? Or I mean, yeah, there have been moments where my, my eyes... So I can't control usually where my eyes are pointing. But normally directors and, and, and camera crew are very good at understanding that and don't try to pressure me to look in a certain direction because it's just not realistic. If mm. I'm cut, turned completely the wrong way, which has happened, they will just tell me. They'll be like, actually, turn 90 degrees to your left because that helps me. And in terms of sometimes when I've been in scenes with other people, those other people will help me to know where I'm going. And if I get into trouble, for whatever reason, they're always there to help. I've, I've got so lucky in that I've worked with some amazing people who've always been very nice and not just nice, but like actually treating me like a human being and not like, I don't know, a token disabled person. Tell us about those uh, people. Who is it you've worked with that we might know? I mean, Jodie Whittaker, for starters, she was absolutely lovely. Um, I mean, I admire her so much, just generally. Um, Mandip Gill is another person who worked on Doctor Who as a companion, um, Yaz, who, I mean, she was hilarious. She was she was so nice. And both of them, they, they spoke to me outside of filming as well. And we had some really, really awesome conversations. Also, Helen George, who works on Call the Midwife uh, as Trixie, she was really, really nice too. And I've just... Again, I feel so privileged that I was able to work with well-known people who, again, treated me like I was somebody and treated me like um, I could, you know, keep up with what they were doing and what they were saying. That's really refreshing to hear because, like, of course, when you look at like the tabloid media, you see other actors who get a bit too big for their boots, and then they're like, "I've I never suppose... met." No, I've never met someone like. I'm glad I wouldn't want to. That would really annoy me. But yeah. I, I'm glad I've never met. Someone who's like your your sort of stereotypical arrogant person that you see in the media, kind of yeah. I, I'm I so far that hasn't happened to me. Yeah, like where do you get these people? I'll be in my trailer, bring me a hot towel and some lemons, that sort of thing. God. I mean, being in a trailer is fantastic. I love having a trailer. Um, it's it's always a luxury, but I wouldn't ask for sort of special treatment. I'd feel weird about doing that because it's kind of like not only would I be, I I just feel weird, but also there's so many people on set. And like everyone deserves to be treated like a human. I know sometimes people in costume and makeup have sometimes like sometimes they don't always get treated very well, which I think is really weird because they're the people that are making you look good on camera. If you piss them off, what what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like it seems really silly. And everyone who I've met on set in, in terms of crew and anyone really who's working on a production have been lovely. Um I'd like to know, have you always played blind? actors or played a blind person you are the actor sorry (laughs) have you always played a blind character yes I have I know this sounds really weird but I I look quite blind my eyes don't stay still at all um and like the way I guess I interact with the world is it's not very sighted because I've always been blind I I don't know how to act any other way and I kind of think if, if I had to act as a sighted person, I'd feel very out of my depth. I, I don't think I'd be able to do it because so much of, of sighted people's movements are based on observation um, and I've never observed someone doing anything. So I'm happy to just, I guess, play blind roles. Or maybe I'd be really happy to play a role that isn't necessarily blind, but I just so happen to be. So, for example, like, I can't think of anything. 
say I'd play like a queen in a fantasy drama or something like that, um, just because at some point I want to be able to hold a sword and say that I've held a sword on camera, I think that'd be hilarious. But um, I'd love to be able to play a character like a, a queen in a fantasy land who she's a queen first and a blind person second. And I think that would be really cool. Yeah, like Aragog in uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. He just happens to be a blind spider. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So Mm -hmm. how do you feel then about non-blind people or non-disabled people playing disabled characters? I'll be honest, I'm not very okay with it just because I'm so aware that for every non-blind person playing a blind character, there's like 10 other blind actors who could have had that role who could have been earning that money, earning that respect and having that, again, being cast, and they haven't been. And the reasons for why aren't always very solid. The Honestly, the only reason I can think of as to how or why a character who was blind or, or disabled would be played by a non-disabled person would be if, for example, in the beginning of the film, they were sighted, obviously sighted, and then they went blind. But to be honest, loads of blind actors could probably do that and could probably embody that and that would be fine i think when you cast a non-disabled person as a disabled character you lose out on so much authenticity authenticity sorry and it becomes it becomes quite insulting to be honest because like Mm. we're perfectly capable of acting we're perfectly capable of doing exactly the same thing that a sighted actor would be able to do but we actually have the disability and we're far better able to show that and to make that seem believable the argument I see a lot is, oh, well, it's just acting. You know, surely if you're a good enough actor, you can act this, that and the other. And it's like, OK, sure, it is acting. But also real people live live lives with disabilities. It's not like we're just some fantasy creature. <laughs> we actually exist. And why not present us authentically with someone who can represent us and portray us well? Why I don't know, take the quote-unquote easy road. It feels like a cop-out, really. It it feels weird. I feel like I respect a director a lot more if they can cast a disabled person to play a disabled character because they're showing that they're committed to diversity and inclusivity. Um, it always it rubs me the wrong way if they can't do that. i got two questions on that. One, mm-hmm. have you ever seen Ray with Jamie Foxx? No, I haven't. Okay, then we're going to move on from that very swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> My second question, they say time is money. Do you feel that blind people will take up more time, therefore cost the industry more than, say, someone that is fully sighted? Maybe, but honestly, if they're that worried about money, why are you, like, why, <laughs> I don't know, like, if VI people take up more time, why are you writing a film about a VI person? Mm. Like, if you can't be bothered to write into your budget being able to cast a like why not write a film about a sighted person and stick to that why do you have to write a film about a blind person mm. and then just not cast a blind person it, i it can tell you i can weird. tell you why it's oscar fodder it's money in versus money out yeah you write you write a film about a disabled person you get a non-disabled person to play them because it's not a lot of money going in potentially mm. compared to someone that genuinely does have that disability versus money that's coming in from the fact that you know people weirdly love a good story about someone overcoming diver uh and it's weird isn't it it's weird that people are so obsessed with disability and yet they don't actually care about the representation of disability in reality 
you know, people may be perfectly happy to watch a film about a blind person played by a sighted person, but then they don't look beyond that and think, oh, you know, why why is that happening? It just feels really shallow to me. Yeah, I, I can't think of many reasons why people would, if, if a sighted person played a blind person, I can't think of many reasons in which I'd feel comfortable watching that. One example that pops to my head, I believe it's Charlie Cox, who plays Matt Murdock in the Daredevil Netflix series, which was a cult phenomenon. And when you consider that half the time he's in costume, which is done by a stunt person anyway, I mean, could that have been cast with an actual visually impaired blind individual? Maybe. and, and there's a lot of people who are going to say, oh, yeah, but he's not really, Daredevil's not really blind and blah, blah, blah. But he acts blind to sure. convince the people yes. around him, regardless of yeah. his powers. So would that not be in a better casting, regardless? It just feels a bit weird. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really watched much Daredevil, to be fair. So I can't speak to it. But with a cult following like that, I can't really speak to it much. I just know that. I don't always feel very comfortable watching it because it feels so disconnected from what I've experienced. With the whole he's not really blind versus he is really blind, I really want to see writers and directors making some kind of series, like a sci-fi series or a fantasy series, and having the disability be part of that and that's okay and not erasing the disability in any way because people are still disabled in any kind of world. You always have disabled people. And I think it's the mark of a good writer if you can show that and not erase it by being like, oh, well, actually he has superpowers, so his blindness doesn't really matter. I think it it would be really cool if somebody were to write something that was like, he is disabled and that's fine and he can still do these things, yet he still has a disability. And, you know, I don't know. I think that would be a really interesting angle to go down. You're absolutely right. Like, there is a bit of a shy way of, showing disabled people as being they've either got to be like superhuman or nothing like or non-existent like sitting in a chair sort of thing or like so i think there needs to be some kind of balance so obviously if you've got this absolutely amazing superhuman disabled person and you've got this contrast of a, a really really vulnerable disabled person who maybe feels like their disability is the end of the world of course everyone has those days where they feel like everything is terrible because of their disability. You know, I'm never going to diminish that. But I think that films and and TV series need to realise that most disabled people exist in the middle where they're just just getting on with their lives. And sometimes Mm. they'll have bad days, sometimes they'll have good days, but we're just as human as anyone else. And like, we don't have to be a superhero to show that. And we also don't have to be incredibly vulnerable all the time to show that too. The whole sob story disabled thing is definitely valuable in some regards, especially for raising awareness. But if that's all that we're portrayed as, people are going to have a really skewed view of all disabled people. I agree. Absolutely. So what's next? I mean, what have you got on the the docket to go Hmm. forward with? Are you allowed so, to say? I mean, oh, yeah. NDAs in place? No, no, uh, one NDA. So I won't talk about one of them. But um, I've got a uh, short New film. No, <laughs> imagine. No, so I've got a. Well, I, I've been helping to co-write a short film that I'm also going to be starring in. That's um, it's an LGBTQ plus uh, short film. Um, it's like a drama film about a blind woman and her girlfriend, and it's sort of illustrating the fact that intersectionality exists and that's okay like it's okay to be blind and queer and that's fine i know that i struggled when i came out being like well how can i have two different identities at the same time and actually that's that's fine it's fine 
And I'm just really excited because I want to be able to portray a bit of myself on screen. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. Like, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the fact that I'm queer. I'm proud of the fact that I'm blind. And I think that's fine. However, I am also myself. Um, and I think that's really important to, to illustrate in that, yes, this film, for example, is about a, a queer blind woman, but she's also an incredibly flawed and sometimes really irritating, horrendous individual. And that's okay to portray it. I think it's okay to also portray disabled people as very, very flawed and, and mm. queer and disabled people as very flawed too. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what people think of the film, to be honest. Amazing. I look forward to seeing it. Is there anything from, from the other two of you? I had a question, well, it's probably a bit out of context now when we was, everyone was talking. Are there actually many blind actors out there? You say that non-disabled people are taking jobs away from genuine disabled actors, but are they out there? Yes. Every single time I go up for a role, there is so much competition. And I know I've had to go up against friends for roles and that sucks. But also there are a lot of us. There are a lot more than you'd think. Sometimes we aren't given the spotlight we deserve. And I'm really big on trying to promote other people that I think are really fantastic. And I want to know, you know, if there are any other visually impaired actors listening to this, I, I, I'd like to know you. I'd like to get to know you because this industry is hard for us. Um, and I think the more we speak out and the more we talk about our experiences and, and lift each other up, the better it's going to be for everyone. Welcome back. That was Ellie. Amazing. You can't force it in there. Ding. <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed that that chat with Ellie. A lot of exciting things coming up by the sound of it. We weren't allowed to be, well, couldn't share what was coming up because of media rules. Ooh. Too many NDAs. But you will see Ellie coming up. She's only young, so prepare to see Ellie in a lot more, only just starting out her career and had a lot of success so far. So next week, have no idea what it is, but. You can get us on all the links coming up. And of course, Selena, do you want to finish us off? So I can get calf. Nope. No, nope. not going to cut you off today. Don't believe it. You're so waiting for Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us. So if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. You can find us on Twitter at SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at SeesawPodcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review, and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.